that's not what I want to do. I don't want to do that. And then I saw Scott and then like every entrepreneur, I woke up one morning and I said, oh, I'm going to buy a website. Are you searching for your ideal career, fed up of your daily grind, or simply want to hear some inspiring stories? Then you've come to the right place because it's time to do a job you love. It's time to get work savvy. Welcome to episode two of the Get Work Savvy podcast. I'm so excited that you're here and I really hope that you will. If you've listened to the introduction or the first episode of the podcast, then you already know that this show aims to give you tips, tricks and insights from professionals working in a wide range of careers, all aimed to help you get paid for your passion. For those of you who are new, hi, my name's Liam Gardner. I'm an e-product manager working for a national training provider in the UK. If you haven't listened to either of the introduction or the first episode, then they give you a bit more of an idea about my motivations for releasing this podcast and a little bit more detail about why I think you should be getting work savvy. If you have listened to the introduction and the first episode, then I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm super keen to hear what you liked and if you've got any suggestions for improvements, because I know I'm not perfect. But I'd also love to hear who you think I should interview on the show. I know that time is precious and I'd really appreciate it if you could go and leave me a rating and a review to help me improve the podcast. Not only that, but that'll give you an opportunity to take advantage of my exciting announcement. By leaving me a review and a rating on the Apple podcast or podcast player of your choice, then you're going to have the chance to enter into our launch competition. There are three prizes up for grabs, the first of which being a £50 Amazon voucher and two additional £25 Amazon vouchers. It's really simple to enter. All you have to do is subscribe, leave your rating and review onto the podcast app of your choice, and then send me a screenshot of that using the email address liam at getworksavvy.com. All entries must be submitted by midnight, 21st of December. Then I'll pick up three lucky winners and announce it in the Christmas Eve episode. So please, if you do get two minutes of your time, I would love to hear your thoughts. And you could always be £50 richer. Right, let's get back to our show. The first guest, Owen, has such a great work ethic. And if you haven't listened to that episode, be sure to go and check it out because he's such an inspiring character. Today's guest, having worked for some huge organisations and then creating some amazing opportunities for youngsters in the tech sector, has gone on to launch her own business and is going from strength to strength. As you'll hear, we talk about the importance of knowing yourself and not being afraid to fail. And I think failure is something that often puts us off from making that change. But if we think about that for a second, who are we really failing? If you don't take the opportunity to make a change or to do something different, then you're always going to be stuck in the same situation that you always are. Whether you're choosing a subject that differs from those that what your friendship group are taking, or if you don't apply for that job or promotion within your company, then all you're doing is guaranteeing your failure. Because if you don't buy a ticket, you can't ever win. I think that this is such a key message and that we can all learn from it. Now, I know that for many years, I made exactly those excuses to explain why I was working in such an unfulfilling job. And it wasn't really until I started acting upon the ideas and aspirations that I had that I began to find my success. I wasn't afraid to try new things. I began to take on every opportunity as it presented itself. For example, I was working in a supermarket and there was a job being advertised for an invigilator. So an invigilator effectively just is the examiner. They just sit there and make sure nobody cheats in an exam using a mobile phone or having their mate holding up the answers outside the window. Even though I had a degree in IT, I went for that job not having very much self-esteem or any confidence that I was really going to get it. Luckily for me, the director came into the interview room and started talking to me about the job that I'd applied for. After a couple of minutes, he then moved on to my CV and started pulling things out that I'd put at the bottom. My CV was absolutely awful at the time, 
I put my work experience at the top of the CV in chronological order. So it went from a chip shop to a photograph shop to the supermarket that I was working in. It was absolutely ridiculous. But he saw in me the potential to actually do more than just sitting there and making sure people weren't cheating in their exams. During that interview, we talked about my background in IT. He then went and got a different job description and we started having an interview about this additional job. From that interview, I was then able to go on and become an IT assessor and ultimately it's led me down the path to get into where I am today. But if I hadn't have even gone for that invigilator's role, I'd have never known. And even worse, potentially I could be sitting there kicking myself as to why I didn't take that chance when it was presented. Now some of you might be thinking, well you were just lucky there Liam and that isn't going to happen to me. But I promise you, I thought exactly the same thing before and I think that really we are going to make our own luck in the world. Let's not just take my word for it either. Let's listen to Jay's story so far and the journey that she's taken to get to where she is now because it is absolutely incredible. So speaking of taking action, without further ado, here's the interview part of this episode. So hi to Jade and welcome to the Get Work Savvy podcast. I've been a connection with you on LinkedIn for a little while now and I think you're doing an absolutely fantastic job at STEAM schools. Could you just explain to the listeners a little bit about what it is that you do and the work that you're doing with STEAM schools? Yes, hi Liam. It's an absolute delight to be on your podcast. And yes, so STEAM School is still a relatively new startup. We are an online community for schools and parents. Every week we broadcast interviews with inspirational people from the worlds of science, tech and digital media. And the reason why we do this is because digital innovation is so rapid. There are so many new jobs created every day, skills develop and evolve. And it's quite difficult for teachers and parents to keep up with all of those developments. So we aim really to help to demystify tech by introducing the stories of some really young innovators who are doing amazing things in that world also to share their journey, their successes and their challenges so that we can inspire young people to engage in STEAM subjects. So that's science, tech, engineering, art and maths, and really just to motivate them to start preparing for those careers today. Fantastic. When I was at school, and this is the premise of why I started this podcast myself, I know the careers advisors have got a lot more um, tools at their disposal now to, to try and help young people, but technology is changing at such a pace. And, and like you say, there's so many new jobs out there that I think it, it's absolutely important that we're able to tell young people or any people of any age, to be honest, but, but obviously your world is to inform the, the youngsters in, in education of what it is that they can do. And I think it's a, a fabulous idea and I'm glad you're making a success of it. Thank you. So I assume that this wasn't something that when you were at school, you thought, I'm going to start my own business and broadcast inspirational stories to to students across other schools. Where did your journey begin and how did you end up what you're doing now? So I started my career in tech, actually. I had a wonderful opportunity to join an Irish tech startup over here in the UK. Worked for this mad Irishman called Tom Kelly. He just, you know, gave me some amazing opportunities. He gave me the freedom at the age of 23 to create brand and marketing campaigns. And he was a great inspiration to me. I worked in the tech sector for a number of years, went off to Australia and came back, set up a consultancy, came back home to Liverpool 
And uh, the intention behind that consultancy was that I would be able to work with more Northern-based clients. Um, however, that didn't happen because all of my network were down south. So I found myself in Liverpool working really hard, very successful. Uh, had my family around me, but very few friends actually in, the, in this local area. I started to do some mentoring for Young Enterprise. And actually, I was loving that more than the consultancy that I was running. So it's my, my mum, who is a head teacher still, said to me, why don't you give teaching a try? And no sooner as she said that, an advert popped in our local paper for a school called North Liverpool Academy. So that the stars aligning. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And um, they were one of the first Tony Blair Academies, and it was located in Anfield, which at then was one of the poorest boroughs in the whole of Europe. And they wanted somebody to come in and, well, actually, the job I applied for, I couldn't really do, but I applied for it anyway. It was an assistant principal's job in partnership. I thought, I'm good at partnerships, I can do that, but a lot of it I didn't really know about. So, but Kay, who was amazing, made a job for me. <laughs> and <laughs> I became the director of enterprise. And my job was really to work with staff and students and parents and the community at large to help make those young people more entrepreneurial. At that time, there was fifth generation worklessness in that community. So five generations of people in some families had never worked. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? It's probably one, still to this day, it's probably one of the best jobs I've ever had. And probably, you know, I've achieved a lot in my life, but some of my greatest and most memorable things I've done were done in that, in that two-year period. I then went off and uh, was recruited by the Aldridge Foundation. So by this point, I was 32, 32, I think so, yeah. And I became a deputy head. Didn't have a teaching qualification, but was recruited in to run their entrepreneurship specialism for one of their new schools and then also to be the face of entrepreneurship for the Aldridge Foundation. Was you headhunted for that then? Well, I did apply for it, never expected to get it. And then... I walked into a room and there was lots more experienced teachers and business people in the room. And uh, yeah, and I got the job. I kind of knew I was going to get it as soon as I walked in. It was just, again, it's one of those stars aligned. I've been very, very lucky in my career. So, uh, so yeah, so I got, I got that job. I had some wonderful experiences there. I had my son and then wanted to stay in Liverpool. And Kay, who was my original uh, principal, said, well, just come back here, Jade, you know, come back here. She said, I want to open a school for life sciences. You can write the bid to the government for that. And I'll give you a job on the leadership team. I said, okay. And I said, I also want to set up, Kay, um, a school about video games. And she was such a maverick head teacher and a real genius. And she just said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And everybody on our leadership team thought the pair of us were crazy. <laughs> Not just to kind of try and open one school, but to do two at the same time. Yeah. You know? And I wrote the bid and off I toddled to all the video games companies in Liverpool because Liverpool has a great history and pedigree in video games. Mm-hmm. Took myself off to Sony and said, hey, want to open a school for video games creators? And they were like, yeah, sure, we'll sign this letter. And lo and behold, we got the school. In fact, we got two of them. We were very, very lucky. It was quite an intense period of time, really for three or four years, to open that school. It was challenging on lots of fronts. 
but here is how it got me to where I am today. Again, a bit of luck. We were located right in the heart of Liverpool's answer to Shoreditch. Within a five minute walking distance, we had video games creators, mobile app developers, software developers, animators, filmmakers, just a real abundance of creative talent. And all of these businesses were really invested in what we were, were doing at the studio school. None of them were that forced about employing university graduates because they felt the three-year period or four-year period, depending on how long you did at university, actually it almost de-skilled students and lost a bit of the creativity and what they wanted really was to take young people on at age 18 19 who were really creative had a great portfolio and that they could mold in the way that they wanted to mold them i kind of mirror that myself when i personally went to uni and had a great time there but when i come out i was a bit naive to the whole fact that i didn't really do any job experience i just went and worked for money when when i came out for summers and things yeah. and similar to, to what you're saying there anyone i approached for a job was a bit like well we've already got people in positions who've got more experience than you and and yeah i, I can certainly agree with their line of thinking and can understand why that was such a benefit for them so yeah yeah it was a great experience for the students because on a daily basis they were exposed to some really creative and entrepreneurial people they came in and ran master classes they would run workshops on a thursday and a friday we had a creative curriculum where the children had to set up digital businesses in teams and then they were mentored by all of these wonderful professionals and what we saw was students would generally come to us because they didn't quite fit in in their school, really. They were the geek in the classroom, you know, who often felt a bit isolated. And then they would come to us and they would find peers who liked the same things as they did, who were into kind of coding and into that online world and being really creative. And what happened as a result of that was as individuals, they really transformed we had a young man who joined us in the September and had a really bad stutter by the end of the year he presented to 80 people at shop digital wow with very little preparation it was never something that we set ourselves as these are our objectives it was something that just happened and also the kids started setting up businesses outside of what we were doing in the curriculum so it was just great it was wonderful to see that we created this little ecosystem and when I left that school and then went on to be a consultant, what I learned is that actually that's really, really hard to replicate. One of the big reasons why it's hard to replicate is about location. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to kind of to set up a community for young people who were really geeky and creative and entrepreneurial. So that was one of the motivations. But to actually recreate that, it's impossible. And I think when you look at schools, you know, as I, yeah, I was a real luxury in a school. You know, I was on the leadership team. I was a non-teacher. I was paid to go out there and engage, be creative, find funding and do wonderful things. And most schools don't have a me. I bumped into a gentleman from the Department of Education last summer who coincidentally has followed me around every school that I've been in. And he said to me, oh, Jade, this is amazing. You're a consultant. He said, I'm going to get you in every one of my schools. And I said, I'm fully booked. (laughs) I'm fully booked. 
there is yeah. a line <laughs> yeah i can't take any more clients and I, whilst i was kind of doing all this consultancy work i still had this dream about building my community and my platform but i just quite wasn't quite getting it right you know people have been telling me to set up virtual after school, uh, after school club set up an after school club just and i was like no that's not what i want to do i don't want to do that and then i saw scott and then like every entrepreneur i woke up one morning and i said oh i'm going to buy a website called steam.club and i mentioned it to a friend and he said what are you going to do with that i said i've got no idea <laughs> but somehow just that kind of chance meeting with scott working with schools and realizing that actually most schools don't have me most schools really struggle to bring in employers because they're busy with the job of learning and getting kids results that actually if I could use my skill and expertise in working with employers and do something virtually to bring schools together then that would be a really good idea and you know it did it did take a little while of me winding down my consultancy business and to get where I am today Mm. but here we are so were you balancing both jobs then for a while as you were building up the after school club you were doing a bit of consultancy on the side or or was it that you you knew that you were going to go 100% in come what may and and you were naturally just declining the the consultancy stuff um well I I was kind of I had a full roster of jobs up until about October and a team working with me so at that point I knew I didn't want to take any new clients and that also I didn't want to renew any contracts really. Um, I've still got a couple of schools that I work with, largely out of loyalty. (laughs) So I've still got a couple that I work with, but the majority of them have gone because I really wanted to. It's it's a difficult balance to strike, isn't it really? You can go all in or you can have a little bit of a safety net. Yeah. I, I still debate it every day in my head which one is the right one to go Mm. but it's that loyalty that keeps me you know still helping out those girls that I do help out and it's not it's by no means full-time at all but they're still there and they need a little bit of help good stuff so um so for you then with the steam schools what does a working week look like for you because I know a little bit about it but just for the listeners what kind of program do you have on on a weekly basis So we've just settled into our programme, really. We're now on, I think we've done 13 shows, actually, if we count today. Done 12 weeks of shows in total, because we did two for British Science Week. And it takes a little bit of time to find a system and a routine that works. And and also a way to work with schools, because the way we originally envisaged working isn't the way that it actually happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you have to adapt to to what your audience wants, don't you, at the end of the day? Yeah, so our original uh, vision was that we would run it as a virtual after-school club. Mm -hmm. And and actually, the majority of schools are using us in a completely different way. They're using our videos in form time and in curriculum time. So the way our week works, it's on a Monday, we send out a briefing to all of our schools with a trailer and a toolkit so they have all the information that they need if they have any questions to ask our guests they can submit them on wednesday we go live on a thursday we curate all the questions for the show and then we issue a mini challenge and schools have then have got till the following wednesday to respond to that challenge and then on the friday we send out a 15 minute edit so they don't have to watch the full live show 
Okay, that's good for anyone who happens to have missed it or people who want to review what what was said. That's great. I really wish I had something like that at school, and I wish I I was uh, <laughs> living a bit more local to your to your coding school growing up because even now, like I chat to some of my friends about things that I do, and they're not bothered. <laughs> they're like, yeah, well, okay, Liam, that, that sounds good, but we're going to talk about something else now. And, and, and I think that's really valuable for those people being able to go into a school and broadcast, even just giving them ideas of different things that they can do with their life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that their friends aren't necessarily all into the subject that might ignite that fire for them. I think that's a, a really huge opportunity and, and, and something that I applaud you for doing. In terms of how you work then would you say you work very remotely then I'm imagining that do you have an office or or is it all like a home office scenario so I've done both I took an office in September in the centre of Liverpool and it didn't really work out and it didn't work out for these reasons one I think that I'd been at home for quite a while and it actually worked really well all of my team worked virtually and I took an office It was almost like a mark in the sand, really, of, okay, we're going to push forward with Steam School, wind down the the clients, and we're really going to move forward. But it didn't really suit me. I took on, I I went to the Baltic Triangle, where the school was. Mm -hmm. The property there is really, really in high demand. So the only spot they had for me to take was in a co-working space. But you kind of had your own private space, but it was still co-working. And it just didn't work out. It was too noisy. It was still under development and they were they built a cafe which was only meant to take about three weeks and it took about two months. <laughs> um, and I just spent a lot of my time trying to find somewhere that wasn't noisy or dusty. And and it, when you were trying to record, <laughs> that's yeah. that's quite a key element, isn't it? Yeah, so it was a nightmare really. So I came back home after Christmas and again you know it works really well I'm a mum of a seven-year-old it's, it works well for the school run and, and stuff like that however you know as I said before we're 12 weeks in now to steam school and the reaction has been amazing it's time now to take on some full-time staff who are going to come in every day and help this business grow Excellent. So, uh, yeah, so we've just, just signed on for some offices. I can't believe I didn't know they were there in September, but they're about 10 minutes away from my house. I have to say, when I worked in the tech sector, my last job working in tech sector before I was a consultant was in for BT, and I worked mm-hmm. at home all of that time and travelled whilst I was doing it. So I'm quite good at working at home. I'm quite disciplined about it. And that journey into the office every day, which you know could last 40 minutes for me was such a waste of time but now I've got an office that's 10 minutes away we can build a set we can you know get some young apprentices in and it'll be amazing I think sometimes people think oh if I make a decision I've got to stick by it but Mm. if it if it wasn't working you've got to make that decision for the best of of the business and and for yourself and uh and and now it sounds like the the ideal locations come up only being 10 minutes away and having the convenience of only being that that distance away from your office as well as having that professional setup for a studio and things like that so that sounds great with this kind of job would you say i know that you previously said with your other roles that you wasn't necessarily qualified to have perhaps the the teaching roles that you got but would you suggest to people who are thinking about kind of starting up perhaps a, a mentorship or an academy or something like that 
any particular skills or qualities or qualifications that they should have when they're, they're thinking about that line of work? I think if you're going to go and look at doing something around coaching and mentoring, then you do absolutely need to have a, a coaching qualification. I think there are lots of people out there who kind of set themselves up as a coach and don't necessarily have the experience to do so. Having said that, you know, qualifications are simply qualifications, aren't they? They're a bit of paper. Mm -hmm. I think what is more important is that you've learned your trade, really. Yeah. When I moved into education, I hadn't been a teacher before. I'd never been in the classroom. But what I was an expert in was marketing, because that's what I was trained in, and that's what I did in the tech sector. Mm -hmm. And I was also an expert in building relationships and and partnerships. I'd I'd worked in British Telecom as a kind of in-channel marketing, really. So, you know, my job was to go into partners and, you know, help them to make more money and to really build up those relationships. So I was great at spotting opportunities. I was really good at business development. And, you know, North Liverpool Academy needed those skills because teachers don't necessarily have them. So they used my expertise in a different setting. But what was great about what I learned at North Liverpool Academy, then in Darwin, and then going back to North Liverpool Academy was I sat on a leadership team. I learned lots about the education system. I did teach. I was asked to write educational programmes. I did get halfway through my teaching qualification. But I didn't finish it because I knew I never wanted to be in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I knew that wasn't for me. I knew I didn't want to be a head teacher. Just that wasn't for me. And one of the reasons why it wasn't for me was because even though I had taught in a classroom, even though I had wrote programs, it was not my zone of genius. And also I felt that if I was going to be somebody that would lead teachers or a school, then I should know the business of teaching inside out. And I didn't. So that just was never, ever going to be for me. So, yeah, so I think, you know, qualifications are great. They open doors. But what you do need to do is earn your stripes. And, you know, you can do that in lots of different ways. You know, if you're a young person and you want to get into creating digital, then There is nothing stopping you getting on YouTube, accessing free software and being creative and starting projects and doing stuff. One of the best bits of advice I've ever witnessed given to children was an animation conference. And there was a guy from Marvel there and he he said, you know, lots of people talk about, you know, sending your portfolio in, sending us letters and that's one route to go. And he said, but if you are creating if you are putting yourself out there if you've got a blog if you create an audience he said we will find you we will find that talent i think that's what young people should be doing i can only speak from my experience and from what i've talked with other people and that's the the whole kind of idea of of this is you've got to do something you love and and if you love it you can spend hours just creating a youtube channel or or some animations that you put on a blog and the more and more you do stuff the more you learn so the yeah. more skills you have, the, the better your work becomes. And then when people start noticing that work, that's when opportunities come up. And with my particular role, it was a new role at my organization, e-product developer, and, and nobody had applied for it. The job came out. Again, stars aligning and I was the right place, right time. I had the skills from my experience at, at university. And luckily, I'd been keeping on those. And I was able to prove that I had the ability to do it. And that's what got me in, not necessarily a piece of paper that I had. Mm-hmm. 
that said I could do it. It was I had to actually demonstrate it. So I think that, like you say, getting on YouTube, finding other people that are, are perhaps going through the same journey, but knowing your own mind as well. So having the the zone of genius was it yeah yeah zone of genius but there's loads of really good books that talk about your zone of genius there's a book i would recommend everybody to read it's called the big leap i've I've heard of that i can't remember where i've heard of it it's amazing so it's really really good and it's a great mindset book for entrepreneurs but what it says is is we all have a zone of genius so i know what my zone of genius is it's about I'm really good at persuading people to do stuff for young people. I have the gift of the gab. (laughs) And I also, as well, I think people buy into my vision as well. Mm -hmm. So that building partnerships and relationships and startup projects, that is in my zone of genius. What am I not good at? I'm really not good at Excel. (laughs) You know, I'm not good at any of that. I really struggle with systems and processes but I know I have to work on those areas it's, it's easy to let them slide because I'd rather be creative but then knowing that zone of genius then when you you grow enough then you can have a team member who's got their zone of genius in that area to pick up that for you so Absolutely. thinking about what you've gone through then obviously you're super happy with where you are now and that's totally understandable but would there be anything that you do differently any mistakes that you've made along the way or the, the office location was a, a little one, but anything that you can point people in the direction of uh, perhaps avoiding? I don't know whether I ever look back on stuff and think they were mistakes. I think one of the things that I learned from video games sector was this. We did lots of work beforehand about what their ideal employee looked like. And at that time, I worked in a school where because of the kind of the challenges in that community, we celebrated every single bit of success. You know, if somebody got, you know, a level one in whatever subject, we celebrated it like they had a first class honours degree. Because actually that's what those kids needed. Mm-hmm. They needed their confidence building. They needed to really understand the power of learning and to be enthused and for us to feed their soul. That's what Kay said, we need to feed their soul. And then all of these video games guys rocked up in their baggy trousers and, you know, long hair. You're looking completely different to the teachers in the building. And they said, no, we don't want you to celebrate success. We want you to celebrate failure. And we learned this phrase, got to fail fast and we've got to move on. I think from working with those, and they are just some of the most brilliant minds that I've ever worked with, actually, I don't hold on to any of that failure. Yeah, the office was a mistake. But, well, it wasn't a mistake as such. It was a a moment in time that allowed me to start working with other clients. Because if I didn't have an office, I would have carried on being in schools all the time and it wouldn't have been that bridge really to starting the other business. But it didn't work out. And it meant that, you know, I lost a bit of time. So my advice would be don't cling on to those failures. It's really easily done and I have done it. So I'm, you know, I'm not perfect, but just be decisive and move on. And like you say, use those as lessons rather than failures. Poor choice of words, really, with that phrasing of the question. Um, A quote that I've remembered in line with that is the one from Henry Ford about it isn't such a thing as 10,000 failures. It's you've learned 10,000 ways not to do something. 
I'll check that quote out and again I'll put that in the links I think we're all going on a journey aren't we and and you make decisions that are right for you at the time and and you've just got to learn from the journey as it takes you along that path and if you hadn't necessarily made those decisions you might never have got to where you are so for for the people listening absolutely agree try not to hold on to to any of those mistakes or, or seen failures and think about that failure fast learn from that and move on to the next thing yeah and I think that it's important to remember it's a process as well I mean I'm a really impatient person I've had to learn patience because you know previously I've worked in big organizations where I've said right I'm going to start this project then I've got 10 people working on the project and when you start your own business when you start out that's not the reality you can't move as quickly as perhaps you would have in a big corporate company so yeah I've had to learn patience but then also I think that I've learned in, in it taking you a little bit longer to get where you want to be you also learn so much because you're so involved in the process that it just allows you to make the outcome so much better Am I right in saying that when I was doing a little bit of research about you, am I right in saying that you were once in the 100 top women in the UK? Was that correct? I am. Uh, my claim to fame is I am top 100 women in the video game sector. Excellent. I've um, never created a video game. I know, <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I know the basics. I know where to get kids started. <laughs> I know the process. I suppose that's aligned to um, the school that you develop rather than necessarily being the, the one behind the keyboard. Yeah, and it was because, you know, what we did was truly pioneering. Mm. Especially schools have been around for some time. We, we went out, you know, I was employed initially in a school under the specialist school banner. But most schools, it's just another badge to have rather than actually living and breathing it every single day. Mm. What we had at the studio school was very very unique and yeah I was just really it was actually somebody at Sony who nominated me for that award because they recognized that was me that rocked up I didn't know anybody at Sony but I rocked up to them in one corner and said I'm going to open this school and it's that like kind of crazy woman syndrome really is it? well it's not a syndrome but you know when I look back at my time particularly working with Kay I've had some great mentors in my life Kay is definitely one of them but she was great to work with because you could give her a crazy idea and she would say, absolutely, let's do it. And there'd be so many people saying, oh, this is ridiculous. We did this brilliant thing when I first started working for her. So I think we went to pre present to the Liverpool Chamber of Commerce. And out of that meeting, just it was like kind of a spare of the moment thing. We said, oh, you know, yeah, we're going to do this event about female empowerment. It's going to be an inter intergenerational event. I think it was Kay that said, yeah, because we're pink and powerful. And honestly, it's probably one of the most successful events I've ever had. But we got in very, you know, you know, very, the, the catalogue, they, they do all the online shopping. It's catalogues in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. They provided all the clothes. We had somebody in Liverpool, he's dead now, a guy called Herbert, who actually, I think he had a reality TV show made about him. He was, bit, you know, hairdressers, big local brand. Mm -hmm. He came and did all the hair. I got somebody to pay to do a video, I don't know who sponsored that, where we went round into the community and interviewed all these women who brought lots of funding in and done amazing things. And we had somebody make like a, I think our head of art made this like superhero character on, for the posters. 
And leading up to that event, again, it was like, you know, like, God, is this going to work? Because it's the crazy women once again. <laughs> but I remember I got all the office staff to go around every form, to, or every class at form time every day and say, have you bought your tickets yet? Bought your tickets? <laughs> bought your tickets yet? I asked my mum and all my sisters to come because I said, I just don't know anyone's going to turn up to this event, mum, when I've put so much hard work into it. And literally on that night, when my mum and my sisters arrived, there was a queue halfway down the road. And we just had to squeeze them in, everybody <laughs> in. And I had to host it. God, I forgot about that because I had two kids hosting it. One of them dropped out and I had to host it, which, you know, that's definitely not in my zone of genius. I think one of the things Kay's taught me is that sometimes you've got to embrace that, that crazy woman. And if you hadn't, you'd have always wondered what if. Absolutely, yeah. and, and that's something that I've learned from an early age. I've always thought, oh, I could probably do that. And then perhaps let that idea drift away and over the weeks, months, turned into years and then suddenly think, oh, what am I doing? Well, I haven't done anything about that particular idea and the moment's passed. But yeah, no, I, I love that. And it's not crazy women. It, it's just having the ideas flowing through you and it's actually action in it. And people look at it like it's a bit strange, perhaps. But actually, I'm, I'm sure everyone's envious of that, of, of just getting started, as, as you said earlier. It's just that quality that seems to be shining through. So if you were to offer the listeners some words of wisdom, a motivational quote or something like that that's helped you through have you got anything that has stuck with you over the years I think one you, you absolutely have to follow your dreams I am really motivated since I came into education I have been motivated to help young people to get into tech careers partly because when I worked in the tech sector I could see what an amazing career it was and then I started working in Anfield and there was a huge big massive difference between the two worlds so if you really believe in something and you believe that you can make a difference and you've got value to offer then absolutely who are you to keep those talents and that value away from the world you've got to get it out there and and make it shine I think that I stick by that mantra of fail fast I love it don't hold on to your failures You've just got to learn from them and move on. So we've already mentioned The Big Leap. Are there any other inspirational people? I know you mentioned Kay a lot as well, or books or, or particular groups to, to get involved with. I think, you know, you and I met on LinkedIn. I yep. think LinkedIn is an absolutely wonderful resource for entrepreneurs. It's just amazing to make those connections and to really put what you want out into the world. And I think it's probably of all of the social media networks, it's the easiest and quickest way of getting your... And very, people are very supportive on there as well, which I totally love. That's been the most surprising thing for me, is yeah. um, the amount of love, I guess, that's shared across the community. Because um, you put things out there and you think, oh, it's just some random things I'm thinking, or like a video that you record. You ask people some questions and, and I've been overwhelmed by the support I've received for this podcast or asking other people advice about different things and from all the social media platforms mm -hmm. it's it's the best one for me and it's the one that I spend most of my time on now because the the misconception with LinkedIn is that it's a stuffy business platform mm -hmm. whereas actually there's so much going on in there I would, I would recommend it to to anybody I would definitely recommend reading The Big Leap I tell you, there's another a really good book, and it's a bit kind of 
well, I don't want to, yeah, I think it is a bit spiritual, really. It's called The Big Magic, and it's by the, the lady who wrote, have you come across a book called Eat, Pray, Love? I've heard of it. As a, I've, I've kind of divulged to the listeners already, I'm not a massive reader. <laughs> I, um, I've just always been a bit terrible with, with consuming books in, in written form. I can listen to them all day long. I've just got my Kindle book out now, so I can tell you who wrote it. So it's by a lady called Elizabeth Gilbert. Yep. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which is, was made into a film by Julia Roberts, where she goes off to like India and Italy and on this spiritual quest. But The Big Magic is a different type of book, and it's a great book for people who are quite creative. We kind of talked about it a little bit, coincidentally before, about how ideas come to you and that whole thing of you know like serendipity and an idea comes to you and you don't act upon it straight away but then it'll just keep coming back if it's meant to be for you it'll keep coming back but to act on it one of the things that I've found on LinkedIn is that if I think of a post like oh yeah I'm gonna write about that and it's really easy just to write a post on LinkedIn isn't it if I think about it and then I write it straight away and I just put it out there those are the posts that get 10,000 views. So I think if an idea comes to you, if you've got a burning desire, you need to act on it. That's it. Big Magic is brilliant. Another brilliant book. Now, it is mostly wrote for, I guess, for a female audience, but it's a book called You're a Badass at Making Money. <laughs> okay. And that is brilliant. And it's about, a, I think she was a writer and, you know, really down on a lock, but she talks about, if you want to go big in your business, then you have to invest. You've got to invest in yourself, but also big businesses don't happen without some investment financially in resources and in time and effort. So I guess her big message is, you know, you've just got to go big. Just go for it. Go all out. She actually recommends not having a backup plan. Because then you've you know. got no other choice. You're, you're going to put 100% in because you know that that's the game. That's the game. But also, she says, if you if you think you need a backup plan, then you're not 100% bought into your own idea. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not sure I, I, I fully go with that. <laughs> For guys I, listening, if you have got financial obligations, make sure you sort them first. Yeah, yeah, make sure you go out with them first. But what I would say is, yes, I, I've got a couple of clients that I still work with, and they're, they're a great source of, of regular income whilst setting up a business. But... Two, don't be afraid to start making money quickly. But also, I don't have a backup plan. This is it. Do you know what mm. I mean? This is what I want to do. And I can't see anything for the foreseeable future that I would do differently. So, um, so this, is, this is my long-term plan. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah, well, people obviously love it as well. And, and I'm so glad it's being a, a success for yourself. So Jade, just finally to, to end the interview portion of this podcast, could you direct people on how to find you and if they're interested, if they're in a position to recommend this to a school or anything like that, just give them some contact details and, and where they can find you if they're interested in STEAM school. Yeah, so I mostly hang out on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. My name is Jade Parkinson Hill. And if you want to find out more about the STEAM school, our website is www.steam-school.com so all those links will be in the show notes guys but a massive thank you very much to you jade and uh and speak to you soon thank you very much 
How amazing is Jade? And I hope you'd agree that she's got such an inspiring story and she's such a driven person. I thank you, Jade, for coming on the show. As I previously mentioned, it was an absolute pleasure chatting for that brief period of time. So for those of you listening in, here are the key takeaways for me from this particular episode. You need to earn your stripes and learn your trade. Qualifications aren't always worth the paper they're written on. You also need to know your zone of genius. And I think this is such an important one. No one person is ever going to be able to do everything. It's just not going to happen. Yes, you might get those people who try to take on everything, but they are not going to become that absolute high level athlete. If you think of athletics as an example, as I've just mentioned it, those people who are doing those multiple event sports, yes, they are really good at each of those sports in that collaboration, but they're never going to win a sprinting race against Usain Bolt because he's a specialist in that field. And I think that's what we should really focus on, becoming that specialist. Often people can be too close to their project. So for me, it's important where possible to stick to your strengths. And if you can, delegate those jobs out to the people who are specialised or experts in that field. Another key one, as we mentioned at the start of the show, is fail fast. Learn from your mistakes. Don't dwell on them. Don't sit on them for ages pondering or what if or what if I'd have done this, what if I'd have done that. You'd spend far too much time doing that. It's really not a problem as long as we learn from them. It's important to celebrate your success, but don't go over the top. By all means, you need to take a moment and realise what you've done and celebrate the achievement in some kind of way. But don't go to town on it. Remember to get back on track as soon as you have had that little celebration and then continue putting in the hours of work to find ways that you can improve on what you've achieved. Get started. That's a huge one for me. I mean, if you think about this podcast, I've been thinking for this for about over a year. Now, I have taken action, but it took me about five or six months before I plucked up the courage to ask Owen to do the interview that we took. And then I have been a little bit of a perfectionist in trying to get things right before actually launching. Now, part of that is because I do have my day job. So I am doing this as a passion project and I do have a young son and family that I want to still spend that time with. So by all means, get started. But what I would say and the mistake that I often make too much is don't be a perfectionist. You're never going to get that product perfect. And as the saying goes, if you're not embarrassed of your first effort, then there's got to be something wrong. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely get started. Now, thanks again for tuning in. Remember that you can enter the launch competition, spend that two minutes of your time leaving a rating and a review in the app of your choice, and then submit your entry by emailing me on liam at getworksavvy.com. And don't forget to attach that screenshot as your proof of entry. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Get Work Savvy. And then there is the website, getworksavvy.com. Thanks for listening in to the end of the show. I hope that you're starting to think of an action plan on how it is you're going to get paid for your passion. Much love from everyone at Get Work Savvy HQ. And until next week, it was absolutely great to share this episode with you. Take care. <laughs>